0: And this is the story that we all know. In chapter two, this great fish swallows up Jonah. We always think about Jonah and the fish, but really, this is a small aspect of the story. It's just one verse in chapter one, and um, chapter two is Jonah's prayer from the belly of the fish. It's really, as the story unfolds, it's really not even. It's kind of a footnote to the storyline, even though it's it's what we all focus on because it's the supernatural aspect of the story. But chapter 2 unfolds with Jonah's prayer and he prays a lot of things from the belly of the fish. But some big things surface in my mind. He prays in chapter 2, verse 6. He says, you brought my life up from the pit. And what we see in Jonah's prayer is that he actually sees this fish, not as God's judgment, but as God's rescue. See, he was sinking and he was going to die. God sent a fish. And from the belly of the fish, Jonah is able to see That God has rescued him. And even there he knows if God wanted me dead, I'd be dead. But God still has a purpose for my life. And so even in the belly of the fish, Jonah can sense hope. He says in verse 4, Yet I shall look again upon the holy temple. This is a hope-filled prayer from the belly of a fish. But the biggest part of the prayer is at the end. And Judson preached on this so well last week. In in verse 9, it says, salvation belongs to the Lord. The one thing Jonah needed to get a grip on was that salvation wasn't his to give or his to keep. It was God's to give. And he had sent Jonah to give it to Nineveh. And so Jonah says, salvation belongs. You have ownership, not me. It's not mine. It's yours. And if you're sending me, he says, I will do what I have vowed to do. In that moment, the Lord spoke to the fish. The fish spit Jonah out on dry ground. And then we come to chapter three. So here we are. Would you stand with me as we read together Jonah chapter three? Forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown." Verse 5, "...and the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. The word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth and satin ashes." And turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way. God relented of the disaster that he said he would do to them. And he did not do it. Father, we ask now that you um, bless our time in your word. Holy Spirit, guide our thoughts May we honor you. Lord, I pray you soften the soil of our hearts to receive the word, to receive with joy the implanted word. May it bear much fruit in us. In Jesus name. Amen. So Jonah is the story of the rescuing mercy of God and the rebellious heart of a reluctant prophet. That's what the story is all about. Jonah is a prophet who's rebellious. And God is mercifully pursuing both Jonah and Nineveh. So Jonah shows us at least two things. Shows us very specifically what sin is. What does it mean to sin against God? You know, in this book we have a story of a man who is directly disobedient to God. God gives clear orders. He clearly disobeys. So we know what sin is. And then secondly, who the Savior is. Jonah reveals to us the character of our God. We're going to dig into that today. So if you're taking notes, the first thing I want us to see from this text about our God. Remember, as we read the Bible, our aim is to discover who is God. So, number one, God is merciful to give second chances. God is merciful to give second chances. How many of you today are thankful that God is merciful to give a second chance, right? I am. I'm telling you. I'm so thankful that God didn't leave me. And then that God didn't leave me again. And then God didn't leave me again. My God is a God of second chances. And this this chapter begins, and the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. And I love the reality that even though Jonah is rebellious, God is relentless in his pursuit. As a child of this God, I am so incredibly thankful. And Friday, I was sitting uh, on a a metal picnic bench of sorts in the the jail section talking with these guys. And I'm telling you to look him in the face and say, let me tell you something about my God. He's a God of second chances. That matters. It's full of hope. Do you need that hope today? Our God is merciful to give second chances. He's merciful to Jonah. You know, Jonah, he could have just let Jonah sink in the bottom of the ocean, but he sent a fish. He could have let Jonah just run far, far away. Remember from the presence of the Lord. He could have just let Jonah go far away from his presence. But he's pursuing merciful god who gives second chances to jonah and then think about nineveh we haven't talked a lot about this city so i want to tell you a little bit about who nineveh is maybe it'll shed some light on why jonah didn't want to go nineveh is an incredibly wicked city it's a great city in its day but it's not great because of its character it's great because of its size and its power This is the the capital city of Assyria. It's modern day Iraq. And it's the capital city of the most terroristic nation in the world in its day. These people are not just known for their power. They're known for their terrorism. If you were captured in war, here's what you could expect in Nineveh. You could expect that they would skin you alive. They would take the skin off of your body. Then they'd take you outside the city walls, dig a hole in the desert sand, and put your skinless body down in the sand. Bury you up to your neck. Pull your tongue out of your mouth and pierce a stake through it into the sand. It's pretty graphic. I'm telling you, it's graphic. And here's the nature of what they do. They, They leave a man in incredible pain to to dehydrate to death in agony as the birds are pecking at his head. Once he's dead, they come in and they decapitate him and they take his head and they pile it on a mound of other heads outside the city walls. They take his skin and they tack it up on the city walls so that the the city walls, as you come in, is covered with skins and there's a mound of heads. And here's the reality... Assyria and Nineveh's arch enemy is Israel. Jonah knows as he goes walking into the city, he's going to look and see his fellow man in a pile of bones. It's a graphic scene. It's, uh, it's murderous. It's, it's terroristic, right? But our God is merciful even to Nineveh. The song we sang a moment ago said, for when I was your foe, that's right, still your love fought for me. Romans chapter 5 says it this way. But God demonstrates his love in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We're undeserving. We are, we were enemies of God. Enemies of God. And yet he pursued us with his love. Nineveh is an enemy to the people of God. And Jonah is thinking, I'm not going to them because I know the character of my God. I know he's loving. I know he's kind. I know he's merciful. I don't want to go and proclaim a word to them. What if he forgives them? I don't want him to forgive them. So Jonah runs the other way. But our God, what we have here is a contrast of loves. Jonah does not love Nineveh. God loves Nineveh. Because our God is merciful to give second chances. And then the beautiful reality that hits home with us today is this, that God is merciful to you. God is merciful to you. None of us. None of us deserve God's love and mercy. One of my favorite things is to sit in the jail and level the playing field. I love looking at men in orange and white stripes and telling them, I'm no better than you. Because it's true. Do you believe that? If you don't, you're missing it. You need mercy. Just like I need mercy, just like they need mercy. And God is merciful to give second chances. Second thing we see from this text is that God has a message for sinners. God has a message for sinners. Look what He says to Jonah. Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. God said, I've I've got a word for this people and I want you to go. I want you to preach this message. Now Jonah's sermon, when you read what he said... His sermon, recorded in verse 4, is only eight words in our English Bible. It's actually only five Hebrew words. If I could speak Hebrew, I'd do that. But it's only five. I'd probably spit all over you guys in the front if I tried. But it's only five Hebrew words. It's eight words in our Bible. And here's what his sermon was. Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. I can't imagine that this is a popular sermon. I can't imagine people walked out patting him on the back. Good sermon today, preach. It was good, man. Real good. And we're going going to talk about that one over lunch. I just don't imagine that's the way this went down. Jonah brings a message of warning, of judgment and destruction. Forty days, this city is going to be destroyed. That's His message. And when we look at it on first glance, we're like, this is not hopeful at all. This is nothing but judgment. This is wrath. What, what is the point? This is not hopeful. And I was thinking through this this week and um, I was reminded about being on the beach with my children. And I've got one that uh, likes to go a little further out than... Then we want her to go, you know, and she doesn't know yet how dangerous it is. And um, so I'm sitting there on the beach and I'm eagle island, eagle eyes because my, my kids are adventurous like I am. And I just know if she goes a little too far. We're in trouble here. So I'm watching and uh, and every now and then I have to I have to shout out Riley back in here, you know, come back in. And it got to this point. So parents, see if you know what ha- what's happening here. Rally, one, does everybody know what that means, two. two, two and a half, that's right, that's right, here's the deal, she knows and my kids know, your kids know, uh, that means there's some judgment coming, right, but guess what? Every one of those numbers is built in with the hope that maybe it won't come. If I repent. Every number. Jonah says 40 days. And God's saying, I'm telling you, I'm going to have to wipe you out. Because I'm holy and your wickedness has come up before me. And I cannot stand it. You got 40 days. Before I destroy this city. That's God's message. And when we hear it, we think this is judgment. It's wrath. This is a terrible sermon. But it's God's mercy clothed in his righteousness. And we can't miss it that God, when he delivers a message to us to say, I cannot tolerate your sin. That is his mercy clothed in his righteousness. And I want to call on us today as we are sinful still. That in your own life, God may be reaching out to you to say, repent, I cannot overlook your sin. One. Two. He's calling out to us as a good father does. Jonah's sermon was a warning of judgment and destruction, but built into it is the gospel and here's the gospel. The gospel is the good news of rescue in Jesus Christ. The good news of rescue in Jesus Christ. The only catch is, in order to be rescued, you've got to know you're drowning. In order to be rescued, you have to know that there's trouble, that there's, that there's a problem. In order to be rescued from your problem, you actually have to know there's a, there's a problem. And that's what God is mercifully doing is he's coming to this people to go, you got a problem and it's bad. That message shakes them, but it is the gospel. You know, everybody um, wants to be the doctor who says, it's a boy, right? Everybody wants to be that doctor. Nobody really wants to be the doctor who comes in and goes, you don't have long But the truth, the truth is what matters, right? So Jonah, as he comes to proclaim, he comes to proclaim the truth. And the truth was 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. That was his message. It's a pungent message of God's righteousness and mercy. Number three, God sends a messenger. Church, I don't want us to miss this. It's kind of simple because that's what the whole story is about. God sending Jonah, right? Jonah disobeying and then God sending him again. But I don't want us to miss this. Um, In order to be rescued, you must hear and believe the good news about Jesus Christ. There's, There's no other rescue. There's no rescue outside of Jesus. You must hear and believe the good news about Jesus Christ. I want to share with you John chapter 5, verse 24. It's a great verse. Here's what it says. John 5, 24. Truly, truly, Jesus says, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from life or from death To life. Whoever hears my word and believes in him who sent me, hear the word and believe in God, and you have come into life. That's what Jesus says. The wild thing is that Jonah was sent. We see that uh, in chapter 1, verse 2. God says, Arise and go. Chapter 3, verse 2, God says, Arise and go. Jonah is sent. But I want us to see, we talked about um, a few weeks ago, we talked about how Jesus is the greater Jonah. And just as Jonah was sent to Nineveh, Jesus was sent to us. I want you to see this. You know these verses, but uh, I want you to hear it through the lens of Jesus being sent. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but what but have everlasting life now listen the next verse god sent not his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved i want you to hear the parallel between jonah and jesus god didn't send jonah to nineveh to condemn them they were already condemned God sent Jonah to Nineveh so they would hear a message of hope, even though it was masked in a message of God's righteousness, right? God is too holy to put up with your sin any longer. 40 days. And Jesus says, God is too holy to put up with your sin any longer. Put faith in me. God didn't send Jesus into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. I want you to look at 1 John. That's John 3, 16 and 17. First, John, at the end of the New Testament, chapter four. And listen to what John says about Jesus in verses nine and ten. He says, in this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Jonah came with a message of God's mercy. Jesus came to be God's mercy. Jesus came to actually die for your sins. In Jonah's day, God's mercy was a mystery. In Jesus' day, God's mercy was fulfilled. Jesus died in your place and in my place. And it's in this that we know God is love. Not that we love God. We're Nineveh. But that God loves us so much that he sent his son. To be our sacrifice for us. And here's the next reality. Is that God is our. He's ascending God. God is ascending. He sent Jonah. He sent Jesus. And guess what? Now he sends you. In John 17. If you're following along with me. In, in these verses in John 17. Jesus is praying. It's what's called his high priestly prayer. It's right before uh, he's crucified. And he's praying. And here's what he says about us. John 17, 18, he says, just as you sent me, talking to the Father, just as you sent me into the world, so I am sending them into the world. Turn the page, John 20, 21. Now he's talking to his disciples and he says, Jesus said to them, peace be with you. Just as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. So here's what we see is that God is a sending God who sends a messenger of His mercy. God sent Jonah to Nineveh. God sent Jesus to us. And now Jesus sends us to the world. God did something in Jonah in the belly of a fish. God showed Jonah that no matter how far you go from me, son, I'm coming for you. No matter how far you think you can get away, I'm coming for you. And now God wanted to do through Jonah what he had done to Jonah. And here's the reality of the Gospels that God wants to do through you what he's done to you. If you've received the mercy of God, then he now wants to send you to your world to be a mercy bringer, to be a peace bringer into the world. To be the one who's coming with a message of hope. Lastly. So God is merciful to give second chances. God has a message for sinners. God sends a messenger. Jonah, Jesus, and now us. And then fourthly here. God is merciful to those who believe. This is the best truth of this part of the story, right? God is merciful to those who believe. There's a miracle that happens in this story. And it's the most underplayed verse in all the Bible, I think. Look at verse 5, Jonah 3, verse 5. Jonah has preached probably the worst sermon of history, right? I mean, it's eight words, it's nothing but judgment. It doesn't mention God's name, doesn't have any, seemingly, no hope in it. It's probably, this is very encouraging to me as a young preacher, right? The worst sermon in the world and the whole city repents and turns to God. And here's what it tells me. It's not up to me. It's up to God and his word. That ought to be encouraging to you as one who's being sent by God with a message. I don't know if you ever feel intimidated when you go as God's messenger like, I don't know what to say. How do I say? Do... Eight words and God can turn a whole city upside down. It's not up to you. Just be Faithful. Verse 5 is miraculous. I don't know if you see it. Here's Jonah's sermon. Yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overturned. He barely gets the words out. And the people of Nineveh believed God. What? Are you kidding me? Yeah, actually, they call for a fast. They put on sackcloth. From the greatest of them to the least of them. Even the king... Gets off his throne, takes off his robe, puts on sackcloth, and sits in ashes. Can you imagine our president taking off his suit and solid colored tie, putting on sackcloth and sitting in ashes and saying, No one eat, no one drink. We've offended God. May he be merciful. That's what's happening here. It's the power of God. And I'm reminded of what Paul said in Romans chapter 1. He says, uh, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Because the gospel is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God. And that's what we have here is God is powerfully rescuing a people. Here's what we see. This faith is does some things, right? When they believe in God, there's some activity that comes out of that. It's not just some kind of, well, I believe. No, there's, there's action. Make no mistake. Everybody listen here. This is really important. Make no mistake. If your faith has no action, James would tell you it's not real. James would say it's not real faith. If it doesn't move you, it's not real. This faith has action immediately. Immediately. They believe God. Then they call for a fast. They put on sackcloth and ashes. From the greatest to the least, the king removes his robe, steps off his throne, sits in ashes, sends a decree out, says don't feed your animals. No one tastes anything. We're not eating because we've offended God. Maybe this God will forgive us. This is action. Faith has action. and The first thing faith does is it repents. I want to talk about repentance because I feel like we don't know what it is. We always talk about repentance. You've probably heard it preached this way before. Repentance is when you're going this way and you turn and you go this way. So just to be clear, repentance is when you're walking in your sin, choosing what you want to do with your life. And it's repentance is when you turn and you go this way. And I would say, yes, that's it. But that's super simple. It's oversimplified. There's a lot that happens right here in that moment of pivot. There's a lot that has to happen. So here's what we see happening right here. The first thing we see is that they own their evil. They own it. They own their sin. There's no denying it. There's no pretending it didn't offend God. they immediately realized that they're in trouble. I'm in trouble. I've offended a holy God. They own it. That's got to happen. If you just go in this way and you just decide, you know what, I think I'll do better tomorrow, I'm going to turn over a new leaf. That's not repentance. Own your sin. That means, oh God, I don't deserve to be in your presence. There's ownership of evil. Second thing, grieve. They grieve over their sin. That's what the whole idea with sackcloth and ashes is. If you read the Old Testament, that's what you discover. That's the sign of grief, sorrow, mourning. They're grieving from the greatest to the least. The king gets off his throne, puts on sackcloth and ashes. They're grieving. Here's the point. What they're saying in this moment of turning is we want our heart to be your heart. I want to feel about my sin the way you feel about my sin. God, you hate my sin so much. I want to hate my sin like you hate it. That's what grief is. It's trying to align our heart with the heart of God over our sin. They own it. They grieve it. And then they refuse it. The king says in his decrees, he says, let everyone turn from his evil way, from the violence in his hands. Here's the thing. What they're saying is, let's stop doing what we've been doing. They refuse to continue in it. That's where the pivot happens. But here's the point I want to make is that there's so much that happens in here. The word repent means a change of mind, a change of heart. It's a change internal that has outward effect. And when we think that we can just outwardly affect change, we're missing it. We need God to grant us repentance. That means we need God to change our heart. God is merciful to those who believe. Own your sin. Grieve your sin. Refuse your sin. And then the biggest thing of all. Look to Jesus to rescue you from it. He's the only one who can. Look to Jesus to rescue you from your sin. Um. On Friday, uh, in, the, in the jail, we were reading through this text. It was so much fun just talking with the guys. And I love that. I have so much fun. And uh, we get to the end of the text, and, and they're kind of listening. They're like, well, what, what happened? What happened? I was like, well, the next chapter starts a whole new phase, and we'll dig into that next time. But let's just read the first verse. The first verse of chapter 4. Shocking. God relents from destroying Nineveh and Jonah, the messenger. It says, it displeased Jonah exceedingly and he was angry. I brought this up with the guys in the jail because here's the thing. This is where we'll finish up this morning. Here's the dilemma. We have a holy God. He's holy, right? So sin is not a little deal. We we have a problem where we make light of our sin. And when we make light of sin, it's because we don't realize God is so high and so holy. Our problem is that our sin separates us from a high and holy God. Jonah is angry that God is forgiving evil Nineveh. The guys in the jail, we were talking and they were like, why is he angry? I was like, well, a lot of reasons, but I think he's really confused. And here's the biggest question of all. How can a holy God forgive evil men? How can a holy God forgive evil men? I want you to think about it, okay? Because here's what we have. We have a city of people who have been murdering and killing. I mean, a terrorist state. The worst in the land. And God is just a holy, righteous God. Is just going to forgive. So I was talking with the inmates. I said, okay, let's just be real about this. So you stand before the judge. You know you're guilty. Everybody knows you're guilty. And the judge says, eh, yeah, we're just going to pretend like that didn't happen. And I'm asking guys in orange and white, is he a good judge? Ooh, long pause. And they say, no. No, he's not a good judge. Well, why? Because, I mean, because evil demands justice, right? Yes, it does. So the question still surfaces, how does a holy God forgive evil men? Answer, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the bridge of God's justice and his mercy. He's the way, he's the only way that we evil people can find forgiveness in a holy God is because he sent Jesus to die in our place. God did not overlook your sin. He did not sweep it under the rug. He killed his own son on your behalf. Every other religion in the world says you can earn your way to God. And Christianity says, no, God made a way to you. He came to you to rescue you. None of us deserve it. We all deserve judgment. We are Nineveh. But God sent Jesus to rescue us by the mercy of God. Our God is a loving and merciful God. And he sent his only son to die in your place and in mine. And if we believe in him. He says. God so loved the world. He gave his only son. If you believe in him. You will not perish but have everlasting life.